What's up, Jeff? Trey, how you doing? I'm fantastic. How are you today? Good, good. New week, beautiful day outside here in uh, Hutto, Texas. Yeah, this is one of those days that looks a lot nicer out the window than actually stepping outside, which I'm only finding out about as of about 15 minutes ago when I went and grabbed my kids from school. I was like, oh, this is going to be great. I'm just going to go t-shirt, shorts. Took three steps outside, like, nope, got to turn around and get the light jacket. Got knocked over by the window. It's been for the last week, too, but it looks pleasant through a window. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I didn't. I had a nice time walking around, but definitely one of those days where like I'm looking outside right now and it's like, man, I should be playing golf. But like you said, once you get out there, that's a, that's a two club wind at least where I'm at over here. Two club. Okay. Yeah. I'm not as that, that makes sense, even though I'm not a big golfer. So you're having to hit two clubs up or down if the wind is uh, in front of or behind you. Yeah. That's pretty much the only way that I judge wind at all is just by uh, what it, what it does to the golf ball. Practically, yeah, it makes sense in your world. What is that hat, by the way? It looks like a tiger on your hat or something. It's a uh, tiger is the goat, I think, is the idea behind this hat. Oh, it's a tiger goat. Yeah, at least uh, that's how that's how I perceived it. I saw it and I was like, oh, cool. Because I'm, I'm just a big fan of like really clean hats like that. Like yeah. it has the logo, the stripes match the black hat. Obviously, like love the tiger is the goat message it's sending. But just a nice, nice clean look. I can't do. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of like some of these hats where like there's like a logo with colors, different color around here, and then like the bill's a different color. Sometimes it's just doing too much. So nice, nice clean, you know, easy hat. Yeah, I'm with you. I come from an era, a teenager of the '90s, a child of the '80s, where they tried really loud stuff sometimes. And even as a kid, when I was told that was the cool thing, it's just like that looks ugly to me. I don't know if you remember the Dallas Cowboys championship hats from, I think it may have been 94, but it was like this jagged, almost like a shark's tooth going across the bill. I'm like, why are you changing colors across the bill? That's completely unnecessary. (laughs) I got to maybe be on board with the, uh, the top part being a different color from the bill, but to have the bill changing color is just a bad look. Are you a rope hat guy? Like, Rope. rope no no that's not my style i've got a very specific type of hat that fits my head pretty well but when you start getting the rope hat it's just a weird look on top and that just looks awkward for me for some reason i've actually I, i've gotten into those lately as long again as long as it's a nice clean look i dig i dig a rope hat for sure and the rope hats are a clean look other than the rope going across the bill like the hats <laughs> are pretty standard like one color It'll be a little bit riding on the front. Yeah. So then you just need to find a boat to go on because those are kind of boat hats, right? Yeah. Yeah. A little, little sailor hat going on. I'm a sailor. How was your weekend? It was good. It was good. The, uh, the highlight of the weekend was a, a victory lap. I got to take on the golf picks tray. I had, I don't know if you followed, did you follow any of what happened at Pebble beach this weekend? I know that yesterday was canceled and they gave the tournament to whoever shot a 60 on Saturday, which was a course record because the weather was going to continue to be bad today. Yes. Yeah, so the blind squirrel found the nut. Nice. And had, uh, had you know, a few bones on Wyndham Clark, 70 to one. Sweet. And yeah, I remember like Saturday, I was just like, my other picks didn't look great. 
Saturday I looked and I was just like, I'm not even gonna pay attention at the beginning. I open it up, open up the app on my phone. I'm like, this dude's not winning. Like, no way. And it was one of those where I'm sure, I'm sure you had this in like, a, obviously this is like a kind of a three or three day stretch here. But like when you won your Rangers bet, there were probably like different stages along the way where you're like hopes like going up and down. But that was watching the rest of that golf round was the most fun I've had watching golf in a long time. Just because like, that's what you want. Like when you throw an absolute lottery ticket out there, or I mean, not that's not a lottery ticket, but like a bomb pick like that, 70 to one, you're like, I just want to be taken on a ride. Like, just give me a chance and we can, we can live with the rest. And it was just this whole like roller coaster over two days, like the rest of that round, then it ends. He has the one shot lead. Then it goes into the next day. And I'm like, I've never checked weather for a city. I don't live in more than I did yesterday. Just like, <laughs> <laughs> like screenshotting weather in Pebble Beach. And I'm like, I, the course can't hold any more rain. Like, I'm just saying the most, like the most ridiculous shit is coming out of my mouth, like nonstop. So oh, that's that was, that was Congratulations. Fun. how much did you have on the 70 to one bet? Like five bucks. So, yeah. I mean, you know, for a weekend, like three or $400, whatever I ended up coming out to. Yeah. Boy, and then I, and then a couple, whenever I do those, I always, I do like small, like placements on them too. Like, like hedge on like a matchup or hedge on a top 20 placement or something like that. So yeah, it was a pretty good weekend. If you add up all those, all those other little ones too. Kick ass. Well, uh, kudos to you on having a big weekend gambling on professional golf. Thank you. I don't for think walk down memory lane, by the way, because boy, that did make that Rangers world series run so much more fun. I would have enjoyed it anyhow as a lifelong Rangers fan, but the fact that there was that much money on the line, that I got to cash a ticket for a month later in Vegas oh. may have vaulted it ahead of that Texas championship in early 2006. And yours was a, like, I was shocked when you told me how much that was. I was like, damn good for you for, cause like, even with these like bomb golf picks every week, like, yeah, I put, I'm putting five bucks on it, you know? So it's like, if I lose, like, like, obviously if I lose by one, I'm going to like a couple, uh, two, three tournaments ago, I had a guy that finished second, missed like a five footer on the playoff. And I'm like, oh, mm. but then I would move on. I'm like, dude, you had $5 on it. Like to win whatever, two or 300 $400. Yours was a significant sum. So that's, uh, yeah, one that you're going to hang your hat on forever, I'm sure. But that this one for me was just like nothing. I don't think anything could top just the, it has nothing to do with the amount of money. Just nothing could top the insanity of winning a bet that way like a bet at those odds and the dude not only do, do they cancel the final round and he's up by one he shot the freaking course record on saturday the to just finish up by one to just finish up by one right and frankly like the last two holes before that he probably should have shot 58 or 59 he oh, left wow. yeah he left a couple putts at the end that were makeable left them like two inches short so but yeah fun 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 weekend and uh you know again that's I think a lot of our friends on here watching and, and listening can can agree like that's what makes sports so much more fun now, especially with how big sports gambling's gotten is like you can you can have a, a dog in the race or something to root for as you watch something that you either wouldn't be watching otherwise or you already would be watching. And it just makes it a little bit more fun. Yeah, there's a delicate balance there, though, because you don't want to find yourself rooting for arcane women's basketball games or Division II men's basketball games. 
questioning your life because then it eventually devolves into betting on reality television. America's Got Talent, The Voice, Real Housewives, and you're, you're really going to look around wondering what you did with your life, you know? I've always said where I'll draw the line is I, I'll, I'll call the phone number, Trey, if I start betting on politics. Mm. That's, that's when I'll call the phone number. Yeah. Like, especially, I mean, I guess if you wanted to like bet on the outcome of like who's going to win president, like that's a pretty mainstream bet, which I don't even know if they offer that. I've never even looked at that, but I'm pretty sure they do. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, if you're like betting on whatever, like there's random crap on there. Anybody that uh, has bet US or any other, you know, sites that you may use, like the amount of stuff and random crap you can bet on is insane. So. Politics, though, like I said, is where I'll where I'll I'll draw the line for myself. I mean, look no further than the Super Bowl and all the crazy prop bets that exist around that game. Everything from length of national anthem to coin toss to color of Gatorade that gets dumped on the winning coach. The the Gatorade one is one that I and I I fully admit this is going to sound stupid when I tell you the other crap that I've bet on in, during the Super Bowl. Like the Gatorade one just doesn't do it for me. Like you're waiting around the entire game and then you're like, I hope we get a good shot where we can actually tell what color the Gatorade was. Like, like, I don't know. It's just, it's almost hard to follow. The one that I love betting on every year is the coin toss. Like, cause it's literally a coin flip. Like it's one or the other. Like it's like minus 105 odds on both. And you see it happen. It's always, they always have a shot right there at the beginning of the game. It's like part of the anticipation of the game. Like, I don't know, at the end of the game, I don't want to be, especially if it was a crazy ending, I don't want to be like, oh, was that purple Gatorade? Like, no, I want to be talking about the game and what happened. Yeah. And then they have cross sports bets now too, which I just found out about talking to a handicapping buddy last weekend. Like you can bet, Let's see, what was the bet that he told me about? Travis Kelsey's first half yards were plus three and a half to Caitlin Clark's total points for whatever Iowa's game is next weekend. Oh. So you can bet things like that, or like there was it was um a yardage total versus Jimmy Butler's total points in a heat game. Like, so you can get real crazy with it now if you want to. I mean, that's how creative these books have gotten is just finding different ways to tie the sports in together, which is, it's a good idea, but it's also a little bit manipulative too. Friday, Friday show. I'm going to, I'm going to come with my like three favorite, most ridiculous prop bets. And we can, we can have a little fun with those on Friday. I haven't, I haven't looked enough at, at those yet, but um, I don't know if you've, I'll tell you the most ridiculous one. The Super Bowl MVP mentioning Taylor Swift. <laughs> what are our odds on that? Seven to one. What? So, yeah, dude. Tra- you bet Travis Kelsey. The only way that's getting mentioned is if Travis Kelsey wins the award and you can get like 16 to one on Travis Kelsey. Like that's how you know they're freaking swindling us exactly i'm so glad you said that see you're you're smart you're in this world you know exactly what's going on here if you're gonna make that bet just bet kelsey for mvp yeah you think you think if like rashi rice wins it 
he's he's going to be like, yo, like I'm really glad we got Taylor Swift on our side. And also, the one with that is like how see I don't like those because then it becomes like if he just says the word Taylor, does it count? Or like I need fine print on that. Does he just have to say Taylor? Does he have to say Taylor Swift if he's asked about it? Like. And in what is it the post game interview on the podium? Post, I guess it would be post game interview on like the stage when yeah. they hand the award. And I don't know. Yeah, that's that's a little that's a little ridiculous. Yeah, it's either going to be Mahomes, McCaffrey, or maybe Kelsey. I guess. I guess Brock <laughs> Purdy has an outside shot, or one of those other two guys going to say Taylor Swift's name. No, right? And are they? And like, so even if I'm trying to think of a situation where a 49er would mention Taylor Swift, like are they winning their first Super Bowl? Are they really going to get on stage? And after someone's handed the MVP trophy, let's say it's Debo Samuel. Is Debo Samuel really going to be like, yeah, we were tired of all this Taylor Swift bullshit. And then wait for the crowd to cheer. <laughs> like, like I can't I even fathom a, a way that he would even fit that in. And if somebody asked him about that on the podium, for the record, I have no issues with any of the Taylor Swift stuff, but I would draw the line right there. If a 49er wins it and somebody was asked about Taylor Swift, I would break my TV. Like that is ridiculous. So yeah, that 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 won't happen. But like like we said, these books are just trying to anything anything that uh anything they can do to get us to to spend money. And even even if you win a few, even if you win a few big ones, they know that over the course of time, we're gonna be stupid enough, emotional enough. Uh, bullish enough for no reason to, uh, you know, probably give it right back to him. That's all right. Can you tell me who the heck Luke Getzey is? Because he is your new OC for the. He was the. Uh, he was the Bills. He was the Bills. Uh, not Bills. Sorry, the Bears. OC last year. Ugh. Right. Like is that? And I'll I'll say this for for Cliff Kingsbury. Head as a head coach, I don't think I want Cliff Kingsbury. But if Cliff Kingsbury is just working with my quarterbacks and he's calling plays, I, I'm, I'm all, I'm all for that. Especially, you know, given Antonio Pierce is, you know, first time head coach or first full season as a head coach and going to want some, some counsel on that staff. Um, but yeah, I, I wasn't exactly thrilled that the deal fell through with Kingsbury, and then we ended up going to. Uh, Luke Getzey after that, who clearly didn't do a good enough job with Justin Fields in whatever two years that he was there to to keep his job. Yeah, I mean the Bills or the uh, Bears' offense was okay. They were okay. They and I, Fields I, Fields got better. I believe they would have been a playoff team had Fields not hurt his thumb and been out for like three to four weeks. Like they were a good defensive team and they had their moments on offense. So I don't know. We'll see. The big question for you guys is what you're going to be doing at quarterback. Well, and I'll, I'll contract for another year, right? Aiden O'Connell's still going to be there. I'll tell you what I wouldn't mind. And maybe this makes more sense. Now, if for some reason there's smarter football minds that saw something with Getsy and fields and um, that partnership there, I wouldn't mind going out and trading for Justin Fields. Like I'm not giving them a first round pick for that. Justin Fields has taken a lot of shit based on how he's played. He's had terrible offensive lines this time in Chicago, but like you just said, you saw improvement out of him. He finally got a decent receiver with DJ Moore this year. 
and it paid dividends. So to get a guy like Devontae Adams and an OC who, so here's the thing. Hopefully he learned his lesson is going to deploy fields a little bit more as a runner because that was a gripe midway through the year, and they did change that. So you can't revert back to that previous form. But I like that hypothetical trade for you guys. That would be a definite upgrade at the quarterback position. I don't think you'd have to give up your first rounder to make that happen. Probably be a third rounder at this point, I'm guessing. I really don't know, though. Yeah, I don't I don't think that I would I don't think that I would give up a a first round pick for for fields, but if you wanted to do something where where maybe let's say like and I don't know if they've done this where I know they do it based on snaps with conditions on picks where like I think the Jets did this with the Packers maybe where if Rodgers played a certain amount of snaps which obviously 4 was not enough to uh, hit the over on that count but let's say there's something like that where you can mix in or you can even base it statistically. That's, I think, what would make almost more sense. Or if you combine the two, like let's say the Raiders, I'm totally spitballing here, but throw out like we want fields. You want a first round pick. We don't want to give you a first round pick. We'll give you a second or a third and it can become one draft pick ahead after that. If we go from whatever, you know, maybe it's a, like statistical thing where he throws for over 3,500 yards and has over X amount of touchdowns and, you know, plays a certain amount of snaps, then it can become a situation where he, they get a second round pick instead of a third or a first instead of a second. So that's something to me that, that I think would, would make sense. So we'll see though. All right, you cannot see me right now for some reason, and I am not able to troubleshoot what the fuck is going uh, on. So let me change my video settings real quick. Yeah, I didn't. Sorry, no, I didn't. I didn't know if you froze for a second there, but I, I'll... Kicked, I kicked a wire, <laughs> and I don't know what the wire is because my camera is still hooked up. Yeah, and I saw your your mic wasn't on mute there. So, oh, you got a. It's not a blank screen now. You've got a non picture up, but um, while you're working on that, I'll I'll address DJ's comment over here. DJ sure. uh, DJ said, where do y'all think the enemy is going to end up? Which I don't have a great answer to that, but a fascinating question where, um, like we were talking about before Chip and Zay went off, like pretty crazy. I don't want to call it the fall, but just what's what's happened with him where he leaves to make the lateral move to go actually be the play caller, even though he was already the OC in Kansas City. He gets to be the OC, but call the plays in Washington, which if you just took one look at that roster and Ron Rivera on the hot seat, like that didn't feel like an awesome move. Sam Howell's the quarterback. You're going from Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey to Sam Howell and Jahan Dotson. (laughs) Like that didn't, that didn't feel like a, a great move for him, but yeah, it just makes you wonder if maybe there was stuff going on behind the scenes where maybe it just got to the point where, like, I don't know. He, he just felt like there's that, or everyone felt like there's no way he could stay in Kansas city any longer. Yeah. Uh, you're talking about B enemy. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure somebody will pick him up. I, I can't even think off the top of my head who has OC openings right now left. Cause obviously the Raiders got Getsy. And I mean, as we've seen that can change before things are totally finalized, but yeah, Kingsbury to replace B enemy. So he's on his way out. And I don't even remember seeing that he like got fired. I mean, obviously they fired Rivera, which I guess would make you think that every job is open from there. 
Yeah, it's a house cleaning at that point. Yeah. I think um, coaches receive a formal interview, like the assistants receive a formal interview, but there's no guarantees made other than their salaries getting paid, which is nice, I guess. Wouldn't mind yeah. having a company that makes billions being on the hook for what is likely hundreds of thousands, if not millions. It'd be an okay deal. Yes. Yeah. Well, I guess it kind of is your responsibility as to why the head guy loses his job, but ultimately it falls on the head guy. Ron Rivera did not fail in Washington because Eric Bieniemy wasn't good enough. No, oh, no. He failed because the, I don't know if the sport has completely passed him up, but he's past the point of being a head coach. I would think at the NFL level, the Cowboys are interviewing him for the DC gig. That could work. Yeah. Although I think I'd be skeptical about that one too. Yeah, it could be, you know, well, I mean, I, I don't even want, I've, I was going to make a comparison and well, I'll make it anyway, but let's say it could be like a Vic Fangio situation right now with Ron Rivera. Maybe, but, but I got to give credit where credit's due. Vic Fangio never really had any semblance of success as a head coach. So that would be a little disrespectful to Ron Rivera to totally make that comparison. But at and this he was, and he was in for a long time before he ever got that first head opportunity also to your point. Yeah. But like Fangio, the way he's bounced around, like obviously still a very respected defensive mind, but it seems like one of those where he, he's like a come in and clean it up real quick sort of guy. <laughs> if that makes sense. You know? Yeah. Cause that's what he did. That's what he did. Uh, with the dolphins. And I mean, that defense was, that defense was pretty good before everybody got hurt. They did a good job there and then left now to go clean things up and, you know, be the lifeline for Nick Sirianni in Philadelphia. Oh, is that right? I hadn't seen that. I saw that they, they hired Kellen Moore as their OC, correct? Yeah. Yeah. They basically, I mean, by all intents, it seems like, Jeffrey Lurie sat Nick Sirianni down and in, in the office and was just like, Hey pal, if you want to keep your job, like we're going to totally clean house. I mean, we've seen that happen at, at Texas before at the college level. Yeah. We've seen a Texas coach refuse to do that and end up getting fired as a result. Yeah. What are you talking about? Basketball in that case? Rick Barnes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> seen it in football too, where, I mean, I don't know if that's exactly what happened with Tom Herman, but I mean, we saw Tom Herman make coordinator changes at one point that, um, you know, like getting rid of, I can't, who do you, who was the OC before? And then he ended up hiring Mike Yersich for the year. Um, and then Todd Orlando yeah. left. Yeah. Tim, oh, Beck. Tim Beck. Yeah. Obviously. Tim Beck to Co Yersich. Yeah. Uh, Coastal Tom Carolina's Tim Beck. That's right. He got in <laughs> trouble for posing with the cheerleaders on the beach. They were playing in Hawaii, I think, for their bowl game. Yeah. So he got in trouble for posing shirtless with all the cheerleaders wearing bikinis. <laughs> tried to take a 1980s picture in 2023, Jeff. It didn't work out very well for him. Yeah, that was like, uh, he, he thought he was like a grease lightning or something like that. Like he was in that era, you know, where you might be able to get away with that. Still a little bit ridiculous, though. It's not like he was groping anybody. It was just yeah. like a picture of people on the beach who are dressed like people on the beach tend to dress. But you're the head coach and they're the cheerleaders, so you're not supposed to be wearing swimsuits. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sorry it made you that. Sorry it apparently made everybody that uncomfortable that that Tim Beck, a head coach of a Division One football program, is just that jack too. I, dude, that was. <laughs> there's two guys this last year that I'm like, what the hell? Like you're clearly taking testosterone therapy. I shouldn't say clearly. That makes it a definite. There's a good <laughs> chance you're taking testosterone therapy. Tim Beck is one, 
And then RFK Jr. is the other. Have you seen RFK Jr. with his shirt off, which is going to be the strangest question I ask you today? Uh, hey, I always love we, I always love when we get off the rails because whatever I come in wanting to talk about, it, like we talk about it, but there's always something else that I'm just like, man, I could have never predicted we would discuss that in a million years. Exactly. Speaking of completely off the rails unrelated, oh, did you watch Curb last on. night? Have you, have you seen RFK Jr. with the oh. shirt uh i have not all right well hold on we're about to take that look now uh in junior shirtless things you uh things you did not think you would google today as well i know oh man all right uh let's see where's a good one here ah here we go rfk junior shirtless i gotta share screen it by the way, this is not a political endorsement of any kind. It's just uh, a an independent candidate who is old, who is in better shape than any of us. We are. Uh, well, I'll wait till I see the picture, and then I'll re- reserve comment after that. All right. Nope, not slides. Share screen. Here we go. <laughs> Uh, we, yeah, we're, we're endorsing those, we're endorsing those biceps. That's the only thing we're endorsing. Endorsing is abs. My goodness. <laughs> Puts me to shame. I may have him in the pec department, but he's got nice, he's got nice shoulders. Look at that. This guy's like in his seventies, I think. See, I, what I've, what I've come to grips with Trey is that to ever look like that, I would, uh, well, first of all, I don't know if I have the genetics to ever look like that. Let's, let's be honest about one thing. By genetics, um, you mean the right doctor to prescribe you TRT therapy? Well, true, true. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've I had my, I had my day as a, you know, hashtag athlete where I look decent. He's seventy, but by the way. I just enjoy, I enjoy food too much to ever want to look like that when I'm seventy. Yeah, like, it becomes harder too. I know that at forty-five, even though my diet's probably a little bit looser now with the nine and seven-year-old. We eat pizza and ice cream more than I would otherwise. And I fold and there's times where I'm like, ah, I can't be too much of a diet Nazi with you kids. Cause then I'm going to give you eating disorders on the other side. So I, I try and be a little bit looser with them, but uh, it's hard to maintain uh, good physique. So to be able to do so at 70, look, there's, there's performance enhancing substances going on here. That's okay too, by the way, we can, we can get rid of the whole stigma behind uh, testosterone Steroids is a form of testosterone, but there is a safe level of it that actually helps you to live uh, a happier, healthier life too, especially at the age of 70. And RFK Jr. is just putting that into action because he's hitting the gym hard, apparently. Hey, and as long as it's safe, as long as it's safe for your health. You, you want to be doing it at safe levels. That's why you should be consulting a physician or a professional who understands exactly what it is that they're doing too. No doubt. But man, good, good for that. Good for, Hey, RFK and Tim Beck. We, we, we talk about it all. We talk about it all in the Longhorn Misfits from three to five. That's right. Well, what were you about to say before I cut you off? Oh, I was going to ask if you watch Curb. I did watch Curb last night. Did you watch Curb? I did. I did. With the I wife did. too. She really enjoyed it. Oh, that's cool. Cause my wife ran upstairs and whore. She hates that show. She's like, that show just provides you fuel for how you live your life. I said, no, but it does justify it. So my favorite part about watching curb with her is 
And I think this is why she enjoys it on a similar note to that, where your wife says it gives you fuel for how you live your life. Jasmine will basically watch. And then when Larry inevitably does something in his, you know, slice of life type moments that they decide to, to put into action here, she'll look and go, yeah, you would do that. Or she'll go, no, you wouldn't do that. Like what? I'm trying to think of what, there was something in last night's episode where she was like, you, you wouldn't do that. Um, I, if I, if I think of it, if I think of it all, all it'll, it'll the come back glasses. No. Oh gosh. It was, a. Uh, I don't know. But the other one that I, I want, the one thing I wanted to talk about in that episode, and it's not really a spoiler type show. So we don't, we can, we can talk about it for a minute and I don't think we're spoiling anything, but you know what, what was in that, in that episode, Trey, tipping your housekeepers, tipping your maids at the hotel. And <laughs> now don't and, drop it in the toilet, but Hey, <laughs> and dogs and dogs yes. too much of a place in areas where they maybe shouldn't be because the owners are just letting it run roughshod. Yep. So I talked to Jeff Schaefer who is, so Larry David was a part of Seinfeld, right? He was Jerry's writing partner. Sure. The executive producer for much of the show came back for the final episode. So I talked with Jeff Schaefer who is the Larry David of Curb, if that makes sense, and making that Seinfeld comparison. So he's Larry yeah. David's writing partner, and he has directed a, most of the episodes over the last like seven to eight seasons, and he directed last night's episode too. And I gave him credit for that. I'm like, thank you for calling attention to the dog thing. We're all dog people. We all have dogs, but most of us have common sense enough to know not to bring a dog into a grocery store or restaurant or a coffee shop or whatever. So thank you for starting that dialogue. And he just laughed. I mean, when Maria Sophia walks up to the airport gate with the dog, uh, Jasmine looked over at me and I was like, yeah, I was like, this is great. This is why I love this show because the way they talk about it too, is it, it gives people like you, like, like you and me, Trey, it gives us credence to not be made out to feel like we're sociopaths or crazy people because we don't think that dogs should have the same rights as humans. It validates us. That's what it does. That's a better word. That's a better word. Yeah. It totally validates us because like some of it is just ridiculous with what, what dogs and mainly their owners, like we've clarified before in the past, the bigger problems with the owner, no issue with the dog. It's the owners. That's a very Larry statement right there. Good job <laughs> by you. Uh, same thing goes with kids, by the way. Any shithead kid on a flight is the result of parents who are just being completely negligent in that situation. And even though I may be annoyed with the kid because the kid's the one that's making the noise or throwing stuff everywhere, ultimately my frustration lies with the parents for allowing it to continue to happen. Yep. Hey, you're either – what? Which coach said this? Some coach said, you're either coaching it or allowing it. It's so true. So my kids are playing in a uh, basketball league on Sundays, and they're in separate leagues because they're separate grades. My son, who's a second grader, boy, he's being coached by a guy who has a son on the team. And the son, I don't know if he's like borderline autistic or something, but he is nonstop. And he's a little asshole to everybody. Everybody. Dad included, who dad's the coach. 
his teammates. He's constantly stealing the ball from them and hitting them and pushing them. But the dad, who again is the coach, just looks and is like, oh, ho, ho, like treating it like a joke and like, hey, calm down now. It's like, no, you need to like lay a figurative smackdown on this kid here to get him to stop. Like clearly he doesn't understand what boundaries are. And so he's allowed to just run around like this obnoxious bully on his own team too, by the way. And he always ball hogs it. And he like, he'll literally start crying if he's not getting the ball on the court, which is why I think there may be some sort of, uh, some sort of a special needs thing going on. But regardless, there are certain behaviors that you can instill or train into or out of a child in a lot of instances. And I feel like this kid does fall into that category too. Yeah, you're the coach and they're allowing it. I don't, know why, I don't know why that one resonated so much. Have you guys started um have you guys started the youth sports bit yet? Not really. He's done a few leagues here and there, but it was all like U5 type stuff. Okay. He so you'll have- turn 5 in November. Like it was all he did T-ball. That was U4 and we were just like, yeah, we're done with that for a little bit. Like he just didn't understand like what was going on. Like, I mean, I think he enjoyed it at times, but there were some kids and I think it's always at that age, Trey, it's always the kids that have older siblings. Like if you have an older brother or sister and they're into that, then you by default, like have been influenced and likely understand it way better than someone like ours, who is the only, only child right now, you know? And hey, at some point, if he gets into sports, our kids our kids, our future kids will probably be more like the ones where it catches on a little quicker. Um, but yeah, he just wasn't like super aggressive or anything. Like he would just kind of like barely knock the ball off the tee, but then we get home and he'd like, I'd be like, Hey, I'd toss it up to him and he'd like smack it. And I'm just like, why is this not clicking when we get to the field? And then soccer, soccer, he just like, just didn't like want to understand the rules. And I mean, the coaches that he had were great, but he just couldn't get it through his head that he couldn't grab, like pick the ball up, drop it in front of the goal and kick it past the keeper. Like he just kept doing that. And you would see basically every kid do that at some point, And then they would, it would click. It just didn't click, man. Like we tried, we tried everything. Now he wasn't doing anything to like other kids or anything like that. But yeah, it was just funny. Cause I was like, dude, you can't, you can't do that. Like, it's, like I know, but maybe you just thought the game was stupid. I don't know. It's it's a learning curve for sure. It is a learning curve, a steep learning curve. But this this has less to do with on the field versus after the games. So y'all may have gotten a taste of this as well. Like it's time we as a people, we as youth parents, come together and have a conversation about what is going on with these post-game swag bags that these kids are hooked up with each and every week. I mean, these things are like type 2 diabetes starter kits, Jeff. It's like candy bars and, oh, but there's a fruit snack in there. It's got fruit in it. No, it doesn't. It's it's more junk and like a Capri Sun or something. Now, you and I are of different generations. Back in the 80s and 90s when I was in youth sports, we would get some oranges after the game. There might be a Capri Sun or a Gatorade or something like that. But that's where it started and ended. I mean, these kids are getting party favors at the ends of these games now. And it ha- like, no, this is not the point of all of this. I realize that's something that these kids – look forward to because they are a little bit like Pavlov's dogs and they've come to expect it. This doesn't have to be the way forward though. Yeah. I certainly don't want to make the expectation when uh, the old calendar gets circled back around to us that I need to give out, you know, 
like wedding party favors again for for the fourth game of, <laughs> of the soccer season. And we've tried to go healthier too. Just go rogue, I guess, is uh, what we have to call it. And give out water and I think like a banana. And there was like one little like Cheez-Its or something. Yeah. And like the looks on these kids' faces, it was like we had just told them Santa Claus doesn't exist. Like, I'm sorry. You didn't get a bunch. You didn't get like a mini, mini Halloween after the game. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> um, yeah, we haven't experienced that too much. There were like little things, but people were pretty, people were pretty in line with it. Okay. You know, when, when we were, when we were in it. So you did not go up to Fort Worth, I'm assuming for the game on Sunday, correct? No, no, we did not. Yeah, the the road games will will probably do Houston. You know, obviously it just depends on like what's going on, like where we're at the season, um, how far it is, staffing, resources, what else is going on, all those kind of things. I wish I could be at every single game. I'll be there tomorrow night on the on the baseline filming and reporting, so that'll be fun. But but yeah, I mean, another huge win this. This team just continues to be impossible to figure out. Three Big 12 losses at home, three Big 12 wins on the road. Like, it's the exact opposite of how you would draw up, like, what you think would happen. But I think this team being four and five, you know, with it either by the end of tomorrow night, they'll either be five and five in Big 12 player, four and six. Like, I don't think either of those things, like, either side of that record is surprising. I think this is right around where we thought this team would be just given how insanely difficult the league is. I mean, even going into this last week, every single team in big 12 play had three losses, at least a three in the loss column. And Texas with that win over TCU just got halfway through big 12 play. Like that's pretty, that's pretty insane that we're at that point. And like, we weren't even at the halfway point for Texas and the standings were, were what they were. So I mean, I think Texas, if you technically counted it right now, is like in ninth place. Like, I mean, I could pull it up, but I'm looking at it right now. Okay. Yeah, right. You're right about yeah. that. But they're two games out of the loss column in first place. <laughs> like, technically, it's crazy. tied for eighth. Excuse me. Yeah, you're right. And so BK pointed this out today on the midday show. There are three, four, five, six. There's only like one team that's not in it, really, or two, maybe. Yeah, Oklahoma State is in West Virginia, are the two yeah. that are furthest behind, but there are. Uh, this number I just gave you one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There are seven teams that are within a game of first place in the Big 12. Seven that's how good this conference is. And how that conference is beating the hell out of one another, too, by the way. And, and if you want to, if you want to talk about, I think Big 12 play this year with how wide open it is, how good it is, top to bottom, the parity, I think it's kind of a microcosm of college basketball as a whole too because i think we have two just really really good teams in purdue and yukon and even uh, i mean i think purdue even lost this week um but outside of that it's totally wide open so if you want to use like some of these stretches in big 12 play sort of as a look ahead to what a potential tournament run would look like you know minus where like if texas gets a three seed like they did last year you know they'll play Colgate, which again, you could totally lose. I mean, talk to Purdue <laughs> about the teams that they've lost to, whether it was the first round last year or then Oral Roberts, I think. I think they, oh no, no, sorry. They lost to St. Peter's when St. Peter's was a 15, uh, two years ago when they made their run. But 
yeah, I think if you want to kind of compare it to what a tournament run would look like, they've played five straight ranked teams. It'll be six tomorrow after that game. They're three and two. They're like, that's really damn good. They're three and two and almost beat Houston, who if it ended today would be a one or a two seed, like undoubtedly a one or a two. They went three and two. And like right now with what the... The first win over Baylor, they were number nine at the time. I think they they finally got back on track. They beat Iowa State on Saturday night. They'd probably be anywhere from like I have no idea five to a six or five to a seven or eight. TCU would probably be in that same range. They lost to BYU, who maybe would be like a four or five. Um, who knows with Iowa State? I mean, hell, I'll pull up the bracketology right now, which. That's another conversation, Trey, just how ridiculous it's gotten with the bracketology. I mean, they were doing this. ESPN was updating it every couple of days, like before conference play started. Yeah, you. I remember the uh, the big eye roll that you gave after I mentioned Lenardi following the UCF loss, which, by the way, was on the eve of this six-game run. Nobody would have predicted them to be 3-2 right. right now. But yeah, it's it, look, it's it's what we have to do as sports fans and sports talkers is look at these projections. There's a new mock draft out that has five Longhorns going in the first two rounds. Will that be talked about on these shows over the next couple of days? They most certainly will be because they're at the time of year we need to have manu- we need to have some content manufactured for us, and that really helps in that regard. But ultimately, it still matter matters very little as you just put out uh, pointed out. I didn't realize this. They're halfway through conference play right now. So there's an, still another month of that. Then the conference tournament. And then for those teams that are lucky enough, the NCAA tournament. Yeah. And I think, again, with, with bracketology, and I said this on the show, um, on, my, on the sports cast on Saturday night, it at least, if nothing else, at this point in the season, as we reach some of these sort of milestone markers or you know whatever you want to call it along the way of, a quarter of the way through conference play, halfway through, like it's about to be March, like that kind of stuff. Um, It at least gives us a basis of like, okay, Texas needs to separate right now and go from kind of a little bit above the bottom of the barrel to more towards the middle up front. Like even, even Rodney Terry, he called, I thought this was great. He called February separation month. And I thought in the big 12, that's a, that's a perfect way of putting it. Mm. Um, And look, that's a guy that even, you know, before he had his head coaching stints at Fresno State and UTEP was part of quite a few runs through the Big 12 as as Rick Barnes's right-hand man. So he knows, like, even as this league's looked different over the course of time while he's been coaching in it, that that's, like, February really is a huge month because, you know, again, to go back to the bracketology, using that, you say, okay, they were doing it with two games in a conference play. Texas wasn't even in the tournament like according to Lenardi at that point, which again, it's a little prognosticating and predicting how teams are, are going to pan out. But, but yeah, if nothing else, like, especially as we hit the halfway point, it just sort of tells us what Texas needs to do to meet whatever expectation, like we're all putting on them. Like, I think this is a team that if they finish strong enough could probably be like at best a four seed. I mean, they'd have to really light, they'd have to really set the world on fire down the stretch maybe make the championship game in the big 12 tournament, win that, whatever it may be. Um, But at least that tells us like right now, this is, it was last updated February 2nd. So this was before Texas beat TCU. They, Lenardi had them as a nine seed. He had Iowa state as a four seed. 
they lost was, Saturday night. Was before TCU, so they're probably playing as a slight favorite in that first game now then, according to him. Right, yeah. So so even like in this, he had Iowa State as a four, Baylor as a five, Texas beat Baylor, uh, Kansas as a three. I mean, they're going to lose to Kansas in, in Lawrence. Everyone loses to Kansas in Lawrence. But had TCU as an eight, so they're projected as a nine on a different side of the bracket, just beat an eight. I mean, I'm just flying through this right now. Like Texas seven. So all of a sudden, like we, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago too. All of a sudden that loss to Tech that everyone was freaking out about doesn't look that bad and you have a chance to avenge it later. And yep. that's another thing I said on the show the other night was everything, everything is out there for the taking for them because the Big 12 gives you so many opportunities to pick up really good wins. Like, I mean, think about this stretch where they're on, where they're going to face six straight ranked teams. Even if they lose tomorrow, they went three and three in that. Picked up three wins over ranked teams. And then those are also losses where later on down the line, no one's truly going to like hold that against you. Like we were, people were freaking out. Now, I mean, you you and I weren't necessarily, but a lot of people were freaking out after that tech loss. After the, the UCF loss will still look bad. I'll say that. And the West Virginia loss. But the tech loss will be one where it's like, Everyone freaking out about that in the moment. And then when tournament time comes and we go through their resume, we're going to go, oh, okay, like unless they lose to Oklahoma State at the end of the season, two two bad losses in conference play. Like Tech's not a bad loss. Losing to Houston's not a bad loss. BYU on the road? Come on. Like, yeah, now BYU we- loss is an ugly one though, but it is a ranked BYU team on the but, road. So it's le- it's less bad. I see what you're saying there. And people sure. aren't going to look at that as hurting their resume. Like you and I and everybody here following watching and listening follows it closely. So we're going to look at it and go, yeah, like they should have, I don't say should have won that game, but they should have played a lot better that day, but also like on on the other side, how them losing to Houston by such a close margin doesn't matter in the end. It's still an L yeah, you got to win. But in that BYU game, I always go back to BYU shot a season high 64% from the floor in that game. Like that's one of those where I think you just chalked it up to like Texas played good defense. BYU played better offense. Um, but yeah, I don't know if you had anything. I, I had a couple of things on the TCU win, but I don't know if you had any, anything else to add from what, no. what you saw. No, let's talk. Cause I want to talk about individual performances too. So what do you have? That's where I was going to go with Dylan Mitchell. I think had his two of his best games back to back against really good competitions. And I think that's a really damn good sign for, for Texas moving forward. Is that where you were going to go to? That's one of them. They've somehow figured out a way to get through to him in pregame to have him ready to go. Although I don't understand why he keeps missing multiple dunks in these games where he looks so good, but I guess I'll take it if everything else looks like that. But yeah, Dylan Mitchell can be an X factor for this team going forward. And they kind of need him too, because they just much like last year's team, they don't have a whole lot of depth inside. And when he is providing that sort of, inspired performance then it can help turn that rebounding deficit that has seemed to plague this team all season long into a plus on occasion now i know tcu is a good offensive rebounding team i think that's because they take a lot of threes typically they didn't take a ton against texas but they take a lot of threes when you do that tend to get more offensive rebounds under jamie dixon they're not a great rebounding team usually um but hey texas still crushed them on the boards. And it was a big reason why they had a big lead for the amount of the game that they did. And there's little things that you want to see from teams as the season goes on. If they're going to teams are going to peak at the right time, you're going to want to see 
in Texas's case, just in this week, I mean, you saw them in the Houston game. I think they essentially lost that game for two reasons. They started way too slow. You mentioned Dylan, Dylan Mitchell missing the dunk. I mean, we talked about that on Friday's show. Stuff like that's just brutal, and it catches up with you against a really, really good team more than it does when you're facing somebody else that's maybe not as talented, that they stuff they got away with earlier in the season. You're not going to get away with that against Houston, especially when Jamal Shedd, who's one of the best players in the country, goes off. And the other one was they couldn't, they couldn't stop Houston on the glass. Like Houston was just crushing them on the offensive boards, out-rebounded them on the offensive glass 15-8 to eight in that game. Huge deciding factor because when Texas got cold – and actually got an initial stop, they couldn't do anything with it because they were just giving Houston second and third chances all the time. So what do we see in the next game? We see, again, again, a team that's not as good as Houston, but we see Texas immediately flip that. They won that offensive rebounding battle 14-7. to A huge factor in that game is TCU got a punch early to go up 10 I'll give Texas a ton of credit, too, for not flinching at all, punching right back in the second half or in the first half, taking a 11-point lead to the half. TCU just battling back, battling back. But so many times, or even if Texas got an offensive board and didn't score, it just wasted a little more time off the clock. Like, those are things that we're not necessarily going to talk about specifically, but, you know, the one where uh, is end early first half, Tyrese Hunter throw or early second half, Tyrese Hunter throws up a bad shot. Well, there's Kendall Weaver again, flying down the baseline, grabbing that and somehow acrobatically putting it back in the basket. Like little stuff like that just adds up as it, you make it harder and harder when you get a lead for a team to come back. You just have an answer, an answer for everything. Um, and yeah, I thought though, I thought that was a huge thing where, okay, this is an issue right now. And we point these things out along the way, but the really, really good teams, the teams that make a run, like they get better going forward. And I think that's what you and I both were like calling on people to do a little bit early on as frustrated as people were understandably with some of those performances. It's just let this play out a little bit. Let the coaching staff coach, let these guys figure out how to play together. Let them assess like, Hey, here are things that we're not great at. And then actually go implement things to improve on those going back to offensive boards. That's what killed them in the UCF loss too. They yeah. blew that down the stretch because they couldn't get a board. Like, it's not like UCF shot the lights out like BYU did. <laughs> I mean, they got hot late, but Texas couldn't keep them off the glass. So I think it's a good sign that they're improving on little things like that. And one more quick thing on, on Dylan Mitchell, too. If he can keep this up where he's scoring more than just, you know, at the rim where guys are throwing him lobs or it's something in transition where he actually is like figuring out this mid-range game a little bit. And it's something that Texas can start to count on where they can, they can throw it into him. If they're not going to respect him, they can throw it into him at the elbow. They can throw it to him at the three-point line. And if he can start taking guys like that at different levels of the floor, like even if, he does, even if he's not going to shoot a three, if he can turn that into like an open you know, mid-range jumper or he can hit that little fadeaway from the elbow from the baseline, I mean, I don't even think I can begin to explain how big that would be for this team. To just have a third option where hey, like we can go to him if Acemas isn't having a great night. And I know we'll talk about him in a minute because that was the other individual performance. Or if DeSue's not having a great night, Tyrese Hunter's not having a great night. I mean, he really, if he can be your fourth option offensively, that's a scary team, man. Like I'm, I'm telling you, like I, I hope I'm right and I hope we can pull these clips in March when we're doing shows. And 
I can I can pull a victory lap and say I told you so because I think I think this team has a ton of potential. I think this is a team that can make a run. They could. They're also really thin, though. I mean, they played really. They played seven guys on Saturday. It Horton got a few minutes. I'm not sure if he's dealing with an injury or they just chose to play him that little. But they played seven guys. Three, four of their five starters played more than 30 minutes. You are not going to be able to sustain that for the next month plus and then into the tournament too. You're going to see guys get worn down. You're going to see guys get hurt. There's something to build on though. So if you can, if some of the other bench guys can start to gain a little bit more trust and you can give these dudes a break and you know maybe you can hold on to double digit leads and not allow the opposition to come back necessarily or not find yourself in a big enough hole like what happened in the Houston game where you feel obligated to play your best players more because you're trying to come back that would be very helpful but the fact that we are starting to see some of these pieces come together and form a picture is encouraging for now but also for the possibilities in the future too because let's remember i realized that this roster seemed weird for a while i said that it seemed like a bunch of random pieces that didn't fit together Rodney Terry also lost his two high school recruits, both of whom were going to play this year to the professional ranks and was already turning over a large chunk of the roster and most of the productivity based on guys who weren't transferring out of the program who were just out of eligibility. So it was a perfect storm last year that helped them get to that Elite Eight, despite the horrific circumstances partway through because of Chris Bearden's fiance. Rodney Terry, for for him to have righted that ship and for what he was able to do in constructing this roster last offseason has taken a while, but it does look like things are starting to gel. So, look, knock on wood, if that injury bug continues to be a minimum or at a minimum for this team, other than, I guess, Tyrese Hunter continuing to have calf issues for the rest of his life. (laughs) Um, Caden Shedrick has had a back issue. I think Caden Shedrick is a great guy to come off the bench to spell either DeSue or Mitchell. I know he's more of a down-low guy. Uh, uh, DeSue has obviously gotten really good at shooting three-pointers, as we hear on every broadcast now. And when he was hurt, and all he could do was shoot in the gym. But uh, the chair. back up Get for the, the story right. In the chair. Yeah. Uh, Brock Cunningham is a flex guy. I think he played – maybe a few too many minutes, but he also made both of his three-pointers. He wasn't just being completely foul-happy, so he's starting to adjust his ways a little bit. Really need to try and find another guard, although maybe that's part of the rotation as one of the three guards who are starting that game goes out, whether it's Weaver or Hunter or Acemas. Like One of those three guys is out. The other two are probably in if you're going a little bit bigger with that lineup. Uh, but uh, things got a lot more intriguing over these last couple of weeks because this team has gone three and uh, three and two in that stretch with a chance to win that fourth game, which again, nobody was going to predict that coming off the UCF loss and Rodney Terry and the whole horns down bits. But here we are with this team getting its shit together and fighting for them for their coach and themselves and really starting to play like a basketball team who's ready to compete in March, you know? Yeah, and and maybe this is me being a little bit of a maybe this is the TV guy in me coming out of just kind of I don't want to say like hoping for a storyline, but focusing a little bit too much on one moment or something. But 
I I just think that it, we're going to look back later and go that whole horns down thing. Everyone everyone thinks oh dunked on Rodney Terry like all this crap. Like I think we're going to look back later and Rodney Terry's going to go great. I'm glad you guys dunked on me and I'm glad that happened because it lit a freaking fire under their asses. Because it lit a fire under this team. Like again, maybe I'm harping on that way too much, but I think sometimes there's there's moments in every season and it's not always as obvious as it was last year where it was just like, oh my gosh, like they totally rallied around this adversity with all the stuff that happened with Beard and they rallied around, hey, it, this is just going to be a distraction the whole time, but it's about us. It's about playing for RT. It's about playing for these, you know, these assistant coaches and everybody else here that's going to stick with us. Like this year, maybe it's just as simple as like they needed that moment and those losses not even as much the horns down thing, maybe, but just that stretch right there. They needed that to really realize like we have to play way harder. Like we have talent, but we have to have some freaking pride. Like I'm not trying to do the whole, like everyone gives Texas their best shot thing. Cause I think that gets tired too, but them just realizing like we are going to get a good shot from everybody. It's not always going to be because we're Texas. It's because this league is really damn good. It's because the Big 12 is awesome, and we're going from playing Houston and Jamal Shedd, who's a fifth-year senior at guard or whatever he is, and then the next day we're going to playing Jamie Dixon, who's one of the most underrated coaches in college basketball. He's got a top 25 team on the road, 500 horns down shirts in the student section. Like, you got to realize, like, you have to bring extra juice, and hopefully that's what made this team realize, and then winning a couple games after that, that, hey, we have talent. Like we have talent on this team and that's more where I'm coming from. And you know, I'm, I wouldn't be the eternal optimist, Trey. If I thought this team was cashed and it was over, send it in. I'd be like, I don't even want to talk about this crap, but I just have an inkling of belief that, that this team, you know, and I'm not saying they're going to make an elite eight or a final four run, but just that this team could earn a nice seat in the tournament, win a game, two games, maybe go to the second weekend. Like, I don't think that's crazy at all, but you know, to your point too, of some of the other things that you've brought up, like, am I going to be, is my jaw going to be on the floor if they make the tournament and then like lose in the first round and play their worst game of the season? No, probably not. But I think people are, people got so frustrated early on and immediately went back to the easy, low hanging fruit of like, emotional hire with Rodney Terry. Oh my God. Instead of just letting the guy do his job and just yeah. let him coach the basketball team. <laughs> like, and you know what? You might end up being, these people might end up being right in the long run. They might end up being right. It might have been a hire that, you know, didn't work out or will not work out. But like, just let the guy do his job. Exactly. We Sorry, I just turned that into a total rant about that again. But Oh, I loved it. We need more of you uh, mimicking hypercritical Texas fans going forward <laughs> on the show. Uh, but uh, Well, but, you uh, know, look, they, look, they make look, it easy sometimes. Yeah, the horns down thing. I don't know whether it was a ploy or whether it was Rodney Terry getting caught in the moment and being pissed off that his team wasn't playing all that well. I I tend to lean towards it being the latter. It's worked out though. And they have used it as fuel and you have to find those motivating factors in long seasons, get locked in or or to stay locked in or to, to figure your shit out. And they did in that moment. Having said that, I'm glad it worked out. Rodney, you're not listening, but if you are or watching, don't do that again, please. Don't, <laughs> please. Find, find another motivating factor next time. I don't want to have to go through that shit as a Texas fan again. Yeah, and it just gave everybody – it gave everybody 
like something easy to talk about and it's something that everyone nationally is going to latch onto when that happens. One of my favorite football podcasts is Joel, the Joel Klatt show. I think, I think he does an awesome job on the games with Gus Johnson. Um, and I just, I love the way he presents the game and looks at the game and all that. And he ended one of his recent podcasts with like five minutes on that horns down thing. And I was just like, like, really? Are we doing this? Like you give people an opportunity to almost like talk about it out of context. And I'm not saying he was specifically doing that, but like it was an easy thing for him to just throw in at the end of his podcast rundown. Oh, I'm just gonna talk about horns down. You know, obviously he had his battles with Texas. It didn't go particularly well for him, but I, I don't think he was inflicting any of that uh, a bias or frustration into it. But he knows what it's about. He played in the Big 12 of Colorado, played against Texas a couple times. Um, but yeah, it's like, just don't, I, I'm, I'm with you, Trey. And I think he, I think Rodney knows that. Like, just don't give people what they want in that situation. Your reaction is going to open up. I mean, that one reaction and then the postgame comment opened up like a month of this crap. I, like, couldn't get it. I think it's finally out of, after TCU did the shirts and Texas, you know, beat him in Fort Worth, I'm hoping that, like, we're finally moving on. But that whole thing was, like, a month ago. I don't know if we're going to be moving on until the end of the season or probably for another five years. It gets back to the workplace accident counter. We need a – last time a, te- or the, the, a Texas coach hasn't freaked out about horns down in this many days. We need that reminder. When coaches – are hired here. They need to go through some sort of initiation that includes don't freak out about the horns down bit. We don't want to keep hearing about that shit, but every time you or Tom Herman or Mac Brown or Rodney Terry says something, it's five more years like groundhog day, except for us, it's the horns down, a a coach freaking out about horns down. Every time a coach freaks out about horns down, it's like six more weeks of winter by six more weeks. I mean, 10 more years of us having to hear about how we're soft about the horns down bit. We don't fucking care. Yeah, well, and that's, I think, the, like with Joel Klatt's comment on it specifically, it was more like that of what you said of, oh, Texas fans need to stop being frustrated about that. And I'm like, it's driven this whole narrative, which which actually would, this would piss me off more as a Texas fan. It's driven this whole narrative that like most Texas fans get mad about that when that's not the case. Like most Texas fans don't care. Like, look, I just got on to Texas, some Texas fans about overreacting to certain things and this and that. But like, I really don't think the majority of Texas fans have any issue with horns down. And speaking of the coaches, David Pierce did a media availability like a week and a half ago. Their season's about to get started on the 16th. And he was asked about, you know, somebody asked about horns down or whatever. And he had a great response. He was just like, yeah, I don't, I don't bother. You know, I, he didn't say compliment, but he basically was just like, it means we're always on their minds. I'm like, yeah, it's a per- perfect way to react to it. It's a beautiful way to go about things. All right, I need to uh, throw dinner in the oven. So in the meantime, we're going to go through some sponsors, some clients, those who help support Texas Sports Unfiltered financially. So we hope you support them, starting with Covert BK. Hi, I'm Dan Covert with my wife, Hayden. Welcome to Covert BK. 
Our newest location in the gorgeous hill country includes Buick, GMC, Cadillac, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram, and hundreds of pre-owned and certified vehicles for you to choose from. We have three service departments that are ready to take care of your car, truck, or SUV with 86 service bays to accommodate any repair and get you in and out quickly. Come visit us today to select the vehicle you've been dreaming about. Covert, born and raised in Austin. That's right. Thank you to Covert B-Cave, and thank you to BetUS. You heard Jeff referencing a little bit earlier. The Super Bowl is coming. It's less than a week away. If you're looking for a place to make some money during the NFL playoffs, you got to bet, or you got to get, excuse me, to BetUS. BetUS is the best online sportsbook and casino out there. Game lines, props, over-unders, you name it, they got it. Plus, it's not just the NFL. You can win big on college basketball, the NBA, NHL, and more. You're watching on YouTube. Just click the link in the video description to sign up. You're listening on the app. Just click explore our socials on the app and then click the BetUS link there. Once again, the best place to bet on sports is BetUS. And how about another word from our friend Tom McKay of Audiovisual Consultations. This is Tom McKay with Audiovisual Consultations. And Camilla McKay. Hey, kid, you want to hear a dad joke? Sure, old man. A guy walks into a flat... <laughs> oh, that was terrible. A guy walks into a store and buys an 85-inch flat screen for 2500 bucks. <laughs> I wasn't done with my joke yet. Yeah, you were. Here, I got one. What's worse than paying for one overpriced surround sound speaker? I don't know what. Paying for two overpriced surround sound speakers? <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, here at Audiovisual, we do like to laugh. And by calling 512 255 you can share in that laughter. Stop paying extra for lesser quality and visit avconsultations.com today. All right, all right. You got me going now. One more. All right, here we go. A guy walks into a bar and then a speaker and then a projector. All right, all right, all right. I think they get it, kid. Give us a call at 512-255-8678 or see us online at avconsultations.com. And all jokes aside, remember to hug your kids, laugh with strangers, and make love to whoever the hell you want. Just give us a call, 512-255-8678. And one more shout out to Big Hat Spirits. That's BigHatSpirits.com. Talking about cocktails in a can. Big Hat is making them better than anybody. In large part because it's low on BS. You know that even though I do love the occasional adult beverage, I'm also very conscious about what I'm putting in my body. That's where Big Hat comes into play. Cocktails in a can that are no syrup, no gluten, non-GMO, BPA-free, 100% natural, real spirits. A lot of them don't even have any added sugar and a variety of flavors as well. That includes ranch water. Man, I love that ranch water. Jalapeno ranch water for those who want a bit of a kick. The margarita, the prickly pear paloma, blackberry smoke, Texas Mule, and for you non-alcoholic beverage fans, you hear Bucky talking about the margarita mocktail. Yes, that is also big at spirits go to bighatspirits.com to find out more info and also to find the location the store nearest you that serves big hat cocktails in a can do you have anything else you wanted to talk about texas basketball related jeff think about those cocktails just distracted me those sound amazing they are delicious I don't, do you have a favorite amongst the flavors that i listed the I, I gotta try them. I'll, I'll go pick up a pack. But uh, the the prickly pear one sounds good. Well, I can't remember what was at the end of that prickly pear. Prickly pear, if I can say it correctly, prickly pear Paloma. Is oh yes, that that, that'd, be, that'd be my first choice. 
I don't know if you're a kombucha guy. They're also made with kombucha too, which is actually good for you digestively. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll do that occasionally. Like I don't drink those often, but you know, if there's ever a stomach issue in the house, we'll we'll have some handy. Perfect. Um, but yeah, one more. I guess just one more thing on on the basketball team, like Max Asmus. I mean, <laughs> that's exactly what you thought you were getting if you're a Texas fan. Well, it's funny though, because he wasn't that good until the end of the game. And then the last 235 happens. You get the and one, you get a couple of threes, ices the game with four made free throws at the end. I mean, he stepped up when he absolutely had to. Yeah, I'm just I'm glad my guy Max Asmus gets the props that my guy Brock Purdy doesn't, you know, for sucking in the first half, but then turning it on and winning when it matters most. Uh, but yeah, Max is. <laughs> I love how you just brought up Brock Purdy in a Texas basketball conversation. Hey, well, I got it. You just got it too, by the way. You're the one person defending Brock Purdy, other than 49ers fans. Trey, I've got to cling to that for at least six more days. At least six more days. I think I'm. I'm sure we'll we'll get to the Super Bowl in a minute. But, um, but yeah, just real quick to wrap up about Max Asmus. Like that's exactly what this team really like this program honestly i think has lacked in a long in a long time or for a long time is having a true just just get a bucket give him the ball get out of the way he's gonna get a bucket kind of guy they had a few guys that were pretty good at that last year and i mean i think even on this team when emboldened to be that guy i think tyrese hunter has that ability i mean we saw that great play design at the end and he can hit a big shot when it matters but max is a guy that in the half court end of the shot clock, possessions breaking down, just give him the ball and let him go to work. And what makes it even more impressive with him is I, I maybe they list him at six, one I've got to see on the roster. I, if that dude is over six foot without shoes on, I would be, I would be shocked. So um, his ability to do that, to get a shot off and make said shot after that, at his height, I think is super impressive. Like that step back three that he had, I mean, that is an insanely difficult shot. And then for the TCU defender on the very next possession after Texas got a stop to not get a hand in his face, like to think that you don't have to guard him at that range. You have to guard Max Asmus basically everywhere once he crosses half court. Am I sleeping on Max Asmus as an NBA player? Because he does have a bit of Steph Curry game to him. He's not as quick, which probably sinks him at the next level. But like his scoring ability, clearly we see the counter every time Texas is on ESPN. The next great college basketball name that he's passing up. Danny Manning is, I think, the most recent one from Saturday's game. Yeah, and what he what did that get him to? Like almost in the top 10, right? Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I'm trying to look and see what they list him at height wise. Oh, come on. What are we doing? What are we doing? But yeah, his, I think what's going to hurt him is that height because like you mentioned Steph, but isn't Steph like six, four? I mean, is he? Wow. I think Steph's at least six, three. Um, let's see. Why is this taking so long? Steph Curry is six two. Six so two. Asmus, oh, okay. Asmus being below Asmus being below six feet is going to hurt him. 
Yeah. Yeah, and I don't. Oh my goodness! Of course, the one time I try to look something up, <laughs> computer doesn't doesn't cooperate. But but yeah, I think you're starting to find you're starting to find the pieces on this team sort of start to fit together. And you have a guard that experienced like Max is. And I know it's the tournament experience wasn't at Texas, but I mean, he took Oral Roberts, the sweet 16 a couple years ago. He's got yeah. tons of experience. I mean, of course, winning conference tournaments because that wasn't an at-large team at Oral Roberts, either of the times, you know, he went to the tournament. So he's got experience in, in big games. And I think that's, that's the fun part about the portal a little bit is, seeing that it, you know, for a guy like that, it can translate. And I know that's pretty much the main reason he, he left uh, and came to Texas was he wanted to prove to himself, to everybody that he could play at that level. And I think he's definitely shown that a hundred percent so far at Texas. I mean, basically you can't call that a game winning shot, but like, if we just want to talk about huge moments in winning time, that's what about the fourth game that he's either hit a shot or hit a game winning shot or just taken over like yeah. the buzzer beater against Louisville, the game winning shot against, um, how am I blanking on the, NC. on the team, uh, Cincinnati. Yeah. And then that there, I think there's another, another couple of moments I'm, I'm probably blanking on off the top of my head. So we passed Danny Manning on Saturday. Next name on the list is Oscar Robertson. He huh. was pretty good. He was pretty good at basketball. Yeah. He was, he is 19 points away from Robertson. Then Hershey Hawkins, who is also good. Then some dudes that I've never heard of before. Kedron Clark, who played for St. Peter's in 2003 to 2006. Harry Kelly, who played for Texas Southern through 83. Mike Dom, who played for South Dakota State in 2019. Then you get back to some more recognizable names. Doug McDermott, Lionel Simmons. At the top is Pete Maravich, and um, Ace Miss is 900 points away from him. You're not going to catch Pistol Pete, but he will pass a few more guys before it's all said and done. You think that he gets 100 points. Let's say let's say he's averaging 20 points a game, which is above his average right now by a little bit, maybe? Yeah. Sure. Uh, so if he gets 100 points, so he's got ten about 10 games left in conference play and maybe five more games if he's lucky. So that's maybe maybe 250 points right there, or th- 250 to 300 points. Yeah, and he's he's averaging 17.9, basically 18 points a game right now. Yeah, so he's close. I mean, 20 20 is a bit of an overestimate, but we're doing it because it makes the math easy. So yeah, he's he's gonna pass some more guys before it's all said and done. Hopefully, I, I want to knock on wood right now that he doesn't get hurt next game because if he gets hurt, Texas is definitely screwed this season. Yeah, as long as he's out there, he gives them a a much better chance to win. Well, and I know the – again, I talked about them not having that type of shot-making around here in a long time. And, you know, that's no disrespect to a Marcus Carr who had some great moments. And Timmy Allen could get a mid-range bucket with the best of them last year. I mean, he's playing G League basketball, so Serge Barry Rice. He could get a good good bucket, that shot fake, good three-point shot. Um, You know, there were a lot of guys on that team last year that – that were really good, just basket getters. But with Max, I mean, really at any level, like you saw with the, he scored 13 straight points. I mean, he scored in every single way at the end of that game, five free throws, two threes, and then the layup. 
So yeah, he the missed only, he, the only not only was it a layup, but it was an and one too. The only right. thing he's missing is a mid range, and I guess you'll take the step back three over the mid range jumper. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, and just the total bomb three that he had also. But he has been, and I know I'm going to jinx him now, like you mentioned, knock on wood. So consistent, man. Like he hasn't scored ten points. Is his season low? He's been held to ten points twice. And I want to say one of the games it was like against a mid major. Yeah. Um, they beat UNC Greensboro 72 to 37 on the 29th of December. He was held to 10 points and he only played 28 minutes. I think, which I think is a season low. Yeah. It's a season all close second. He had uh, 27 minutes against rice, but yeah, like, and then the other one was the loss to UConn, which I mean, uh, a lot of other really good players have been, have been held below their season average against UConn. <laughs> yes, they have. What's up, Ike? Good afternoon. My eight-game losing streak, Ike says, was incorrect. Yes, Texas had lost two straight heading into the six-game stretch. Nobody predicted, or very few people predicted, three and two right now, Ike, with the possibility of going four and two. I probably thought in that moment, I don't recall exactly, but I thought two and four, three and three, would be a great stretch and they could still go three and three, but they have an opportunity against an Iowa state team tomorrow who, yes, they're ranked and not been very good on the road this year, especially in conference play. So there is a great opportunity there. Getting back to our earlier conversation on RFK junior, who is 70. No, this is not a political endorsement. It's just talking about a 70 year old being surprisingly jacked a la Tim Beck and that beach pick that he took that he had to apologize for. Daryl says, Trey has that saved in his bookmarks. How dare you, Daryl? I do not have that saved in my bookmarks. I just have it saved in the memory bank, if you know what I mean. And uh, CB says, RFK Jr. is married to an actress. I forget her name, though. Actually, back to our earlier conversation on Curb Your Enthusiasm. He is married to uh, Cheryl Hines. Oh, no way. Ex-wife on the show, yeah. Beautiful Cheryl Hines. And yeah, as Daryl says, he turned 70 last month. Yeah, he turned 70 on January 17th. I just saw that when I was checking the age too. Fellow Capricorn. Man. Yeah, we got a... What would CB say there? He said, I watched the Grammys on Paramount Plus because we haven't had CBS on the dish since December 2022. Shame on those companies for their infighting. I didn't watch the Grammys last night, but man. I watched replays of a couple of performances from the Grammys last night that were just mind blowing on Twitter. Have you seen either the duet of Fast Fast Car between Luke Combs and uh, Tracy Chapman, who who wrote and performed the song originally? I saw that one. Yeah, I'll be honest. I'm I'm not a huge award show guy, but yeah, I do see what. I do see what goes viral on, on Twitter and Instagram and those kind of things. So, so yeah, I saw the fast car do it. Yeah. For the record, me neither, but especially for the Grammys, cause you can get some cool performances out of that. I will check out. Yeah. Somebody has done a really good job with the music. Cause there's not lip syncing going on at the Grammys. I'm pretty sure everybody there is doing what they're capable of as was shown by somebody else who look, she's, She's pop music, which is not my cup of tea necessarily, but I thought this was also a really good performance. Um, Miley Cyrus. I did, I did see that one. After she won her first Grammy. I mean, she looked like a freaking superstar, but it was a catchy song too. I'd never heard the song and it's got a little bit of a disco flair to it. It changes tempos a couple of different times. So I guess it's not surprising to hear that that song helped her win her first Grammy. And didn't she shout out like, at some point, like, 
I finally won a Grammy or something like that. <laughs> uh, in the song? Yeah, I think in the performance. Yeah. And she also said, at like early in the song, something to the effect of y'all, y'all know what song this is or y'all know how this goes or something, like to make it very clear that she wasn't lip syncing. So yeah, I thought the performance itself was really good. She looked great too, for whatever that's worth. It's very superficial, but um, yeah. So anybody that caught the Grammys, seems like you got a good show. CB says, I like a pissed off Jeff. We all like a pissed off Jeff. CB. Right. Hey, that going back to my, my youth sports career, high school sports, I always played better pissed off too. Yes, exactly. You're more motivated. It's the embrace the hate mentality. But some, some, I will say I had some buddies that like, not that they needed to be chill, but you have to, it takes a certain type of person to still be able to like, not turn into a menace on the court too, when they're pissed off. So I had some buddies like that, where I was like, okay, like, we got to strike the balance here because you might score more than you normally do, but you're also going to dribble the ball off your foot five times and foul out in the second quarter. You know, like yeah. I, I was just able to get, get locked in by that, you know, but yeah, it goes back to like, you know, now when I, when I, eye roll like so far removed from like playing competitive sports at any semblance of a high level, not that I ever really did that, but you know, like beyond high school football and things like that, I roll my eyes more than I ever have at some of the like motivation that people talk about. It's personal or like that stuff. That's like clearly kind of contrived or kind of made up, I think in some cases, but then I do think back to how I was and I'm like, I kind of did that stuff too. Like, or I took like one thing that someone said to me in the first quarter of a game and turn it into like the biggest insult of all time in my mind. And I'm like, you know, that's kind of what I roll my eyes at other people doing now. So I should probably stop being a hypocrite. You can also, you can always think to Michael Jordan, just basically making shit up in his head to motivate himself in the NBA finals and say, Hey, the goat did it. I can do it too. Yeah. Brady was great at that as well. Is it petty? Yes. It's very petty. Did it help me win or help me perform my best? Yes. It also did that. So uh, those two things can coexist together. I mean, the way Brady talked after some of his Super Bowls, you would have thought the dude was the biggest underdog of all time, which, okay, he went, well, that that you have to clarify a little bit too, or I have to clarify a little bit because he was to start his career, but by the end it was like, okay, dude, you're not an underdog anymore. <laughs> like, this is, your, this is your 47th Super Bowl appearance. Like, you're not an underdog. <laughs> it, it is, and look, they they have been underdogs, so they're, it's warranted, I guess, but it has been a little bit obnoxious to watch the Chiefs play the nobody respects us role over the last month. It's like, you guys were really fucking inconsistent this season. Really bad. Honestly, really bad at times. Yeah, really. Yeah, exactly. Like your defense bailed your defense and Mahomes bailed you out throughout much of the year. Travis Kelsey took a big step back. People were wondering if this may be his last season because seemed to hit that decline that a lot of guys do at a certain point in their thirties. Receivers were dropping balls left and right. You know, uh, Pacheco is a good running back, but there was some inconsistency at, uh, inconsistency at running back too, but they figured it out at the right time, and maybe they're using that whole embrace the hate mantra to help do so. I mean, lifetime Longhorn, Longhorn legend at this point, Justin Tucker, unfortunately found that out the hard way a couple weeks ago or a week and a half ago. Well, it made me, when you said that about the Chiefs kind of acting like, you know, they were underdogs, but maybe acting like 
they were bigger underdogs than they really were. Like even against the Ravens, I mean, they were on the road against the team who to that point had pretty much played the best all season. I mean, obviously they played well enough to earn the number one seed and earn a buy in home field. Like there were three and a half point underdogs, maybe four, four and a half by the time kickoff came around. So it was less than a touchdown, less than six or seven points. And then I think against Buffalo, I don't even know if they were a field goal underdog. And now they're a two point underdog, but it made me think of the, the path and trajectory of and these little like kind of moments where a guy goes from being an all-time great to like a goat conversation. Like Brady had his path where comes out of nowhere, they win a couple Super Bowls. Then they had that long drought. They also lost twice in the Super Bowl, you know, mixed in other places in, in there along his career. And then they come back and win and win some more after that. They they break break the drought and then win, I think, two more after that. Then he goes and levels up again and goes to Tampa and wins number seven. That's what we're seeing with Mahomes right now. Like we're in the middle of seeing him level up again. I don't know if he'll be goat status or whatever it may be, but we were watching him. I mean, he's already, he's already a first ballot hall of famer. Like even if the guy decided to pull a Barry Sanders and retire in a year or two, it's a first ballot hall of famer, two times Super Bowl champ, maybe three by the end of Sunday night, but we're watching him level up. He got the two early and then he now this year had a little bit of a different path where he finally had to go on the road. Oh, we can't, can't do it. Can't, you know, or, or not can't do it, but can he do it? He's an underdog. They overcome that. They win two road games. Now, if he wins the third, I mean, even if he doesn't like the way they got there is an, is just another kind of check off the list. And as a Laker fan, I think of, I think of Kobe's, evolution too as as an all-time great wins the three with Shaq and then they you know Shaq leaves all that drama happens and then he levels up to another level of of just legendary status when he wins two more and then he can fill his whole hand with a championship ring and then that's like another stratosphere and it's just funny to to think about that big picture right now with Mahomes and just kind of realize what we're watching in the moment and I mean, that's the most fun part about it is we have no idea how it's going to end up. And if he plays another 10, 15 years, who knows? But it's fascinating to me to see kind of the ascent and just in all these guys that have legendary careers with the, you know, and go down as all-time greats, GOAT conversation. There's just all those little parts of their path that add up to the legendary career in the end, different hurdles they have to get over. Hottest take that I'm going to have all week, and I'm going to give it to you first. I may be loading this one the rest of the week, but it just came to my mind because right now it makes a lot of sense to think that Mahomes is going to reestablish all these records that have been set by Tom Brady over the last 20 plus years. My prediction right now is that he is going to experience a pretty rapid descent because think about how Tom Brady really committed or recommitted himself to remaining in top-notch physical shape throughout his 30s and into his 40s. Pat Mahomes is doing what he's done over the last six years now with a dad bod, dude. Or as dad bod as you can be while still playing NFL quarterback, short of Jared Lorenzen, I guess. Like He is not in peak physical condition. And for guys like that, if you don't take care of your body and you don't get it together and start taking better care of your body... 
He'll go away in a hurry. I mean, and speaking of, I mean, we're we're just we're just talking about all the shirtless dudes today. You know, you saw the Patrick Mahomes shirtless pic that <laughs> that went viral. Exactly. And even he quote tweeted and was like, "Yeah, I got a dad bod. Like, why'd you have to do me like that?" <laughs> <laughs> so he's he's like embracing it. He's like owning it. So well, maybe it clicks in his head, and he's like, "All right, I, I really need to get my act together. Less pizza and beer for me this off season." And yeah, and better shape here. No, no doubt. But yeah, I think uh, I don't know if I I don't know if I totally agree with that because I think he's still well. I, maybe I agree with that. He's not going to play as far as into his forties as as Brady did. But I mean, what is he right now? Like twenty eight years old or something? Like he's still got a. I think he's still got a long way to go before he really has to start like worrying about that. But I don't know. Like I don't. I I wasn't paying close enough attention maybe to the Patriots and Brady to remember exactly when Brady got on the avocado ice cream and uh, you know basically like like not feeding himself any sort of junk food ever. I really do want to try that avocado ice cream, by the way. I know people scoff at it and it's not going to be as good as regular ice cream. It is a lot like either turkey bacon or vegan bacon. I am curious though, because the creaminess of avocado is actually really good. Even if it doesn't provide an adequate substitute for dairy. When you like did coffee Brady... ice cream? What's that? You like coffee ice cream? It's Okay. I, I like coffee, coffee, so um, I don't put a ton of sweetener or cream in my coffee. So it is a bit of a treat, but if I'm going to do that, I may as well just go get a good latte, you know? I feel that. Is that your favorite ice cream? Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I I really like every ice cream. The only ice cream I don't like is is like rainbow, like anything that's like basically like candy-flavored ice cream. Like I don't like rainbow sherbet or cotton candy. Uh, yeah, I'm with you on that. See, there's an exception for me, though. There's this ice cream place near us called Scoop and Score. It serves Grater's Ice Cream, G-R-A-E-T-E-R-S, which is a Cincinnati brand. They have this flavor called Black Raspberry Chocolate Chip. Oh. Out of this world good. But that's Out at least got a little chocolate in it. If you're ever covering a game at Vista Ridge during the high school football season, it's right across the street from the stadium. Stop by there and get some black raspberry chocolate chip. You will thank me later. I'll have to give, I'll have to give that a try if I'm ever over there. Wow. What I'm seeing right now on Tom Brady and when he got his act together. This cannot be true, can it? <laughs> okay, here we go. Tom Brady. An article said 25. Oh, no way. There was no freaking no. way. No, that dude. Oh, no, Brady said. Interesting. Yeah, he was he was always hurting at the in 2004. And so he Well, maybe we just point, didn't He was 27. He wasn't 25. Uh he was 27. He, he said he was hurting all the time, so he had to make some changes, and so he made some made, made those massive changes at 27. We probably just didn't care at that point because he he hadn't become, you know, the goat yet or whatever. Like he was just, Oh, it was just one of the better quarterbacks. You know, what did he have won at that point? Maybe two Super Bowls, uh, three, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, two or three, one of the two. Yeah. Cause he didn't get into the league until what age 22 or 23. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're right about that. And he had three by the age of 30. 
Yeah. What else is on the docker for you today? Mm, maybe, uh, you know, maybe, maybe a little workout later. I don't know. Yeah. Hopefully uh, people better than the uh, lifetime that, that you go to. Mostly oh. good people at this lifetime. Mostly good people. There are some, uh, there are some really inconsiderate people though. Tomorrow's a big day. Tomorrow's the day that we find out if this woman is going to stand over me for a third consecutive time. And if so, there's going to be a much larger issue. Is is Tuesday like the specific day that you go at that time or? Tuesday, Thursday. Okay. Okay. Tuesday, Thursday. I actually had a pretty, I had a pretty good gym one um, that didn't have time to throw in there on Friday because we we're up against it. Not, not even close to as egregious as that, but actually two quick ones, a couple weeks we did, what, is that two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, maybe when we, when we first talked about that, <laughs> sorry, I just looked at one of the comments. There. <laughs> is that ever, uh, I'm not, does that ever happen to you when you're talking and then you just like the comments, like hit your, like hit your peripheral vision. And you're like, I just totally, like, I, I see that from DJ and I'm like, how am I supposed to keep talking right now? <laughs> DJ is a uh, reputable smart ass on the YouTube comments feed. So it's understandable. It. No, I ignore the comments when I'm talking. Otherwise it will be that distraction. Smart, smart. I need to, I need to become a true, true professional like that. But um, anyhow, the first one was super quick. I, I walk in, this was like two days after we talked about people on the phone in the locker room. And I walk in just to like, I don't even really use the locker room. I just go like, put my sweatshirt that I change into after the sauna in a locker right there. So like literally all I'm in there for 25 seconds, maybe tops. I was in there for that amount of time. And as soon as I walked in, some dude was like on the phone, like talking at the absolute, like top of his lungs. And I immediately was just like, God, Trey would lose it on this guy. I mean, I wanted to lose it. I wanted to lose it on that guy too. He did finally walk out, but then I'm just like, dude, like walk like outside. And, or if you do like, at least like my whole thing is at least pretend like you like care a little bit about everybody else. Like at least like kind of like, Hey man, like, okay. Okay. Yeah. Look, I got it. Like if you have to take a call for 20 seconds real quick, just like, Hey, everything. Okay. Like, but just talk softly, but you could tell they were mid conversation. Like, and yeah. Anyway, he finally got up and left, but, and then actually, wow, I got, there's a lot, a lot of indecency going on and just, or lack of decency is the better word going on at this place. So the high school, one of the high school, like maybe swim team or whatever, they share the locker room or they share the facility to do training or whatnot. Okay. So I walk in the other day and a high school kid stares me down. He's just like, and I walked in and was just so confused. I went to the urinal and he's like, I did it. I stared him down. I'm like, do these kids like think that I can't hear them right now? <laughs> and I, I walked, you'll, you'll appreciate this, Trey. I walked by him after that. And cause I don't know if maybe they thought I had like my AirPods in or something. And I, I, I walked by and I go really funny. Just don't do it to the wrong guy one day. And I just, I just walked out because I was just like, look, I did dumb crap like that when I'm in high school, but yeah. like, dude, you're like, and it was borderline. Like he was like, he wasn't standing in my way, but 
like I couldn't miss him. Like, let's just put it that way. And again, I don't care. I'm sure I did dumb stuff like that. I mean, we would yell stuff out of our cars at a stoplight and then drive away, you know, do dumb stuff in high school. So I'm like, ah, oh, y'all, I'll give this kid a pass. But I was just like, you know what? You know, the the old guy in me now just, hey, you know, give him, give him a little bit. Like, just, hey, like, really funny. Don't do that to the wrong person. It sounds and, and it's true. It's honestly very, yeah, it's very good advice. Yeah, because he's going to do that to some muscled up jack wagon who has no problem punching somebody in the face who's trying to look tough at them. Oh, that's 100%. Just, that's not my bit. That's not your bit either. No. Um, and then the last quick one was on a treadmill. <laughs> I was I was on the treadmill that was next to a bike. Older lady on a bike who I don't never recognize, never talked to or anything like that. I'm, I got a really good workout in that day on the treadmill. Went like way longer than I thought I was going to go. So a little sweat, a little sweat on the treadmill. Well, they have wipes like right around the corner. So I leave my water there and I leave all my stuff. I, I walk over to get a wipe. And like, before I get a wipe, she like turns around and she goes, you better wipe that down. And I thought she was like kidding. And maybe she was trying to make a joke and she just has no sense of humor and isn't funny. But I was just like, I go, yeah, that's what I'm doing. And she goes, yeah, like you better wipe. She like said it again. And I was just like, I go, right. That's what I'm doing with like a wipe. I, I go, can I have four seconds? to walk over here and grab a wipe. And then she just like put her headphones in and just like kept going. and was like, like, what are we doing? Oh boy. That see, that's the one out of all three of these things. That's the one that would have elicited a comment, not just because it was the old lady of the group, but because that's the one that is like directing their bullshit at you. Versus you being a passive observer and being affected by the bullshit. Although I guess the kid's staring you down, but he wasn't a threat. No, no, no. He was just pulling stupid shit. And it was like, it, it takes you by surprise. And that was probably like a, that, that was probably like a dare. Yeah, exactly. A dare. And you, you heard that it was a joke. And so you made sure to acknowledge, Oh, pretty funny there. Be careful. So you, yeah, you're, uh, you did your not necessarily a young jackass anymore thing. And I'm proud of you for that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, with her, if she would have said that, if somebody says that to me twice, my response is going to be, mind your own business, you, you old bag. Like that's And that's, that's what I wanted to say. I was like, I think I was just like in shock too. I kept trying to be like, oh, she's trying to be funny, right? Like she's trying to make a joke. I kept trying to like think of it like that. And then, <laughs> and I just I finally was just like I walked away. And I was like, I don't think she was joking. Or if she was, she has no sense of humor. Bad, 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 bad. Uh old ladies at the gym, man. Hmm. Trying to uh trying to police the gym too. She's probably been going to that wife for a long time. She's seen a lot of people who haven't wiped it down. She's become right. frustrated over time. I get where people like that are coming from who are upset that stuff isn't getting wiped down. I do wonder though, are there times that it a wipe down isn't necessary on something that you've just sat on or used? Um, maybe I think on like lifting, like lifting equipment, as long as you don't, as long as there's no visible like sweat on it, I'm I'm okay with no wipe down. 
like bench, if there's not any sweat, like if I do uh bench press, dumbbell bench press, and I'm not, I'm not sweating at all, and I do three sets and I get up, and that's that. There's no marks on it or anything. That is okay to not wipe down. I think so. Yeah, because I feel like if you're wiping down there, then you have to be wiping down the oh. bar after you go to the uh, to the squat racks. Like yeah. Can, that person's hands are touching that bar. They should wipe down the bar. I don't freak out about that. I understand why people don't wipe down the bar. I will go wipe down the bar if I've just seen somebody on that bar, but I don't expect them to do that. I don't get upset with them for not doing it either. Treadmill was an obvious one just – just for the sole reason of I had sweat all over that. Exactly. Thing. Even if you don't sweat on something, the if you're super sweaty, you almost have no choice but to be really vigilant in the wipe down process. Yes, yeah, so you don't get old ladies coming after you. <laughs> right, or young young bucks staring you down, or I mean, you know, I'm getting guys talking too loudly on the phone. See, I'm a loud talker on the phone. The projection, I think, is the result of me being in radio and needing to speak louder to make sure that my voice is getting into the mic. But it annoys Justine to no end. And so I have to be very conscious in public if I'm on the phone, especially in like a gym setting, like speaking really quietly. And so the people that I speak with regularly, Justine included, are like, you doing something right now? Or are you at the gym? I'm like, yeah. Like, all right, I'll just talk to you later. All right. Talk to you later. Just making sure it's not important. At the station, we have rankings of like unofficial rankings of who are the loudest talkers are when we're live in studio. Oh, <laughs> where does it's Bob rank? Second. I'm, I'm third. No, no, well, he may be first or second with our anchor, with our main anchor, Walt Makaborski. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would say those two guys are definitely in, another category and then I'm below them, but still talk loud. Is Bob a loud talker in general? No, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say so. so, but I think it's kind of like you were saying about, about being in radio. It's similar with being in TV. Any, anytime where it's your job to talk like clearly and project like that, I think it, it's going to make you talk louder. And I do, I've been told I talk pretty loud. I mean, I think I control it. Yeah. Like, moderately well but but you know i think that's what it is and also with sports too like you're like we're doing a basketball highlight like i'm doing the max Smith highlight the other night and i'm like Smith, you know like you're you're getting into it you're changing your tone and your inflection points and all that um and then walt just has the just the most classic like anchorman great news voice and all that so yeah maybe i'll be you know Maybe when I reach like full dad strength one day, I'll be in that category. Are you tired of seeing your Super Bowl commercial yet? Because I can't see enough of it. <laughs> oh, I've gotten so many texts about that. Like, like I got a couple of texts from my buddies and one of them sent like a, a voice one. And he's like, that's right, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, look, dude. Like, Oh, and then the other ones I get are, are like, wow, like some arm you got there. So yeah, you did have the best arm of the bunch. Well, and I think it was the only one they really let me throw. And I get tell people too, I'm like, I don't get to pick the angles of which way I'm throwing it. Like I was kind of like this. And then I had to, in a suit, throw it across the other way. Like if I, if I had it being right-handed, the way I was angled, I would have turned the other way. Yep. 
and throwing it like that. But, you know, it's all angles where we're in the studio and stuff like that. And the behind the scenes of those, I got to throw the ball to somebody. Who are you throwing the ball to there? Like a production, a person in the back in our production department that run like um, someone from our team that runs like the studio or the room, like in the, I don't know why I'm blanking on the, yeah, the control room. That's what we call it. Um, So they're like, I mean, they're the, the hero behind the scenes kind of people that, you know, punch up video and make us look good and stuff. But yeah, they just pulled somebody from back there and they were like, all right, throw her the ball. <laughs> like, so what am I supposed to do? Just like zip one at her with like, like thousands of dollars, like tens, hundreds of thousands of dollars, whatever the studio costs of HD equipment and set equipment behind me. Like, yeah, I'm supposed to just like drop my arm angle and fling one in there at her. <laughs> so, Maybe. You know, whenever you're in something like that, like, you wouldn't have good, like they wouldn't be good buddies if they didn't give you shit about it. Oh yeah. No, that's, that's something that's right for that. But I like the commercial. Like, I think it's a cool commercial. Yeah. It's, no, it makes, I was, me proud, makes me proud to see you in it. Hell yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You know, and maybe, maybe you'll text me. We're on air right now. So maybe you'll text me uh, like some uh, criticism later of my arm angles and my throws <laughs> No, there's no, there's no criticism. I can see in that. I'm like, he's wearing a freaking suit jacket for Pete's sake, having to throw a football. That's a, that's a thankless task right there. You did a great job. You nailed it. I thought the, uh, the edit of the commercial was good too. I yeah, no, I really good commercial. Like it stands out. Yeah, no, thanks. And we have a great, we really do. I'm not just saying this. We have a great promotions team and, and production team at the station. Like they do tons of tons of good work. And I loved how they ended it with Bob had the ball and then they zoomed out and it was a bunch of people behind him in NFL gear and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And hey, what's up? Double D the dumbbells, Papa K. What is up? Great to hear from you. Thank you to everybody who has been watching, listening and commenting today. And I think we're going to end today, Jeff, with a little mock mock draft talk. ESPN.com. Matt Miller from ESPN.com just came out with a two round mock draft. Have you seen this yet? I have not. Did that just come out today? It just came out today. Yeah, and there are five Longhorns in the first two rounds of Matt Miller's mock. Wait, can Here I? Uh, the order that they went. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's that's what I wanted to do. Guess who went in which order? Yep. I'll guess that the first the first guy off the board was Adonai Mitchell. Okay. Second. Oh, you I'm want me to guess? I'm not, saying, I'm not saying whether you're right or wrong. I'm just okay. asking for the order. I think it went Adonai Mitchell, and after that, Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, Xavier Worthy, and then JB. Close at all? Oh, J- you went JB over uh, Sanders. Oh, gosh, yeah. I'm surprised there weren't six guys then. But you were as, about as wrong as you could possibly be. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Kuiper. Uh, Kuiper's a couple of weeks ago. The best one was, uh, or the top one was Mitchell. He had Mitchell going to like the Chiefs or somebody like that late. So let's take a look here. First Longhorn off the board, according to Matt Miller's two-round mock draft, Byron Murphy to the Seahawks at 16. Well, that's... That's a bit of a surprise. I mean, like him as a first round pick, I don't think is a total shock, but 
I think you will ultimately see him going in the first round, and I think he'll be the first Longhorn selected too after he goes through the scouting combine and people see how much of a physical freak is he is to go along with exceptional tape this season. The second Longhorn picked at the end of the first round. How about this fit? Xavier Worthy to the Kansas City Chiefs. That would not be fair to allow Casey to reload like that. At wide receiver, although if there is a position in the first round to get a top flight wide receiver like that, it would be with the last pick, I guess. You know where I stand between the two, the two receivers. I know we were in orange last year. But I think but, they're both going to be good at the next level, though, even though and, you're a little bit more of an AD guy. And I do think that that would be a really good fit because of how Rasheed Rice has developed into closer to what I think would be a true number one receiver who can consistently attack defenses at, at pretty much every level. I mean, that guy's especially throughout the playoffs shown in a really good ability to, you know, whether it's those little screen passes where I'm like, what are you doing? And then they could go for 15 yards or, you know, a third down play when he doesn't hit Kelsey finds rice. Um, And, and of course the, whatever, you know, confidence he's gained, throughout the playoffs here is just going to be scary when he puts that into play for a whole season next year for the rest of the NFL. Next up, if I'm remembering correctly, is your guy, A.D. Mitchell. Yeah, yes, it is A.D. Mitchell, as a matter of fact. A.D. Mitchell to the Tennessee Titans. They I don't like that for him. Round. No, I don't either. They spent the first rounder on Traylon Burks a few years ago. They do still have DeAndre Hopkins, although he is going to be 32 next season. Will Levis is his quarterback. Eh. Don't feel great about that one. You know, Will Levis showed flashes really early on. I'm going to be honest. I did not watch enough of Will Levis to have a hardened opinion on this. Yeah, he he was good early. Like that Miami game when they just, I think it was a Thursday night, they just stole that game from Miami at the end. And Levis looked really good. Um, but yeah, I think he'd. I think he struggled a little bit once they started to get some tape on him. <laughs> and I don't know if they had the best offensive line either. All right, who's next? Makes a difference. Next up, JT Sanders to the Cincinnati Bengals. God, I would love this fit for JT. Him going from one situation where he's got a bunch of talented weapons around him that allows him to flourish with his skill set to another one with a quarterback like Joe Burrow too. Yes, sign me up for this for JT. And he'll join fellow Longhorn. Um, uh, Why is his name escaping me now? The defensive line. Oh, Joseph Osai. Joseph Osai, thank you. My goodness, I just had a senior moment there. Join Joseph Osai on the Bengals roster. So that's four. Number five is Sweat to the Cleveland Browns. Speaking of rich getting richer, the Cleveland Browns getting Devondre Sweat, who up to a certain point has uh, been projected as a first rounder and early second round draft pick for the Browns to get him to add to that defense, a guy who uh, is as much of a, uh, a blocks eater and run stuffer as Devondre sweat is would be huge for them. So can you do me a favor real quick on there? Yeah. Can you see what running backs went? Cause if they don't have Brooks in the first two rounds, I'm just curious which running backs Miller had. Oh, he did have them there. Oh, wait a second. I did not. My apologies. Jonathan okay. Brooks, 58 to the Green Bay Packers. My apologies there. I did oh, not man. see that. So there was a sixth. 
Texas Longhorn. So you were correct, and I was wrong. Fuck me. That would be fun. Let's see. Yeah, what I would, I'm curious what other running backs, if any, had before him. Because I know he's been – Brooks, throughout the injury, has still been number one on, on Mel Kuyper's running back list. So he's probably the first running back taken, and it's at the end of the second round. Wow. And this is uh, Matt Miller. And Matt Miller is a big Texas guy, by the way, so it's not surprising to see him valuing Longhorns. Yeah, but I don't think any of those – I don't think any of those that he had on there are like, oh, my gosh. Like, like I don't think any of those are egregious or homer picks or anything. Like, I, those all made a lot of sense. Wow, Penix to the Vikings. Interesting. Uh, yeah, it does look like he – yeah, Jonathan Brooks is the first and only running back taken in the first two rounds, according to Matt Miller. See, in this – you mentioned Penix to the Vikings got me thinking – don't you almost don't you almost think that you want to go you want to go later like in the draft like obviously you want to be the number 1 pick but sometimes like if you don't think you're going to be the number 1 pick or a top 10 pick then then I mean I I don't know like I'd rather go to the Vikings and throw to Justin Jefferson and maybe sit behind Kirk Cousins for a year or two Absolutely. Assuming they bring Kirk Cousins back which is a good chance he ends up on another team this next year although if I'm Kirk Cousins I'm trying to make it back to the Vikings. That community loves him. And you do have Justin Jefferson to throw the football to. And Jordan Addison, too, by the way. I mean, that Jordan Addison is a great wide receiver, especially when he's not having to handle number one duties at the NFL level just yet. But yeah, that would be a great pick for the Vikings. I was I talked to when I talked to uh, Jeff Schaefer about Curb earlier. He's a big Seahawks fan, and he wondered about the idea of them taking Penix at 16 letting him sit behind Geno Smith for a year. And I said, you know what? That makes a lot of sense because I think Michael Penix will benefit from a situation where he can sit for that year and allow his body to heal and just get his body as strong as possible for the rigors of the NFL season because he has that elite arm talent. It's a matter of whether or not, I'm guessing you just read that comment. It's a matter It's a matter of <laughs> whether he can I was stay trying healthy. to make that. He has had a hard time staying healthy throughout his college career at Indiana, at Washington. It felt like the end of every game that he played for Washington this last year, he's limping or he is hurt in some way, shape or form. Uh, But yeah, to allow him to sit and learn and run scout team and be that backup and come in an emergency situation if he needs to, could be a great game plan for Michael Penix at the next level. Yeah, he got, I mean, he got clobbered, could barely walk at the end of that national championship game. Did we end yeah. the show with like a terrible, like, I don't even remember. I'm sorry. I've been so distracted by the comments, but. I, I, <laughs> we don't even need to put that up. <laughs> no, we don't. I had said that after realizing that I'd missed Jonathan Brooks altogether. Oh, and then I was saying about Brooks playing Brooks in the going Packers. To the Packers that would be fun. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Just to clarify for you stick MFs out there. Uh, yeah, that's why it's unfiltered after all. And uh, that's how we end today's three to five show. Jeff, always a pleasure. Great job today, man. Yes, sir. Looking forward to talking uh, talking Friday again. Let's do it. Yes, we will. For Jeff and everybody else at Texas Sports Unfiltered, we thank you for listening and watching. If you're on YouTube right now and have not already, please click that thumbs up button and do subscribe to the channel. Whether or not you're on the app, if you don't have the free app, you can download it through the Apple or Google Play stores. Just search Texas Sports Unfiltered. 
We will talk to you tomorrow starting at 8 a.m. with Bucky and BK. In the meantime, have yourselves a great rest of the evening and welcome.